reading this morning comes from Matthew, uh, chapter 27, verses 27 to 44. If you've got a Bible, you can open up with us or you can read along with us on the screen. And I'm going to read that for us. Matthew 27, verses 27 through to 44. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of the soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spat on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they'd mocked him, they took off the road and put his own clothes on them. Then they led him away to be crucified. him. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene named Simon and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall, but after tasting it, he refused to drink. When they'd crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, Who are you, sorry, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days? Save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. Well, that's a pretty powerful passage, isn't it? And if you noticed, there's a whole lot of mocking going on. There's a whole sense that this is foolish, that Jesus is a fool, that he's foolish, that this whole thing is foolish. Well, there's been a lot of foolish things happening in history over many times. What about the people? Uh, there was 12 publishers who ignored uh, the Harry Potter series before she got one. Imagine what they're feeling like today. Pretty foolish, aren't they? Uh, Decca Records decided that uh, the Beatles sound wouldn't sell, so they didn't sign them. What about these guys? Uh, don't worry about lifeboats, they said. The ship is unsinkable, they said. That's crazy, isn't it? That's foolish. Napoleon, well, he decided that he could actually invade Russia in the winter. That was foolish. And you know what? Hitler thought he was more smarter than and better, and so he invaded Russia in winter as well. Some pretty foolish acts, haven't they? And some pretty foolish people. And they've been shown to be fools over time. Well, this week we've been hit, haven't we? By something that's so dear to us, something that is so ingrained in us, but yet has ripped us apart. It's been our foolish cricketers. If you haven't seen this this week, you've probably been living under a rock. Uh, but this week we have seen, I think, possibly one of the most foolish things we've seen in Australian cricket. Uh, if you didn't know, 
Uh, a number of players in our cricket team, Steve Waugh, uh, Davey Warner and Cameron Bancroft. Steve Waugh? That wasn't bad. Sorry. Who's <laughs> Steve Smith? We've jumped back a few, haven't we? Steve Smith were caught cheating. Uh, they used a piece of sandpaper to try and scuff up a ball and then to try and get the ball to do reverse swing and get wickets. Now, I think they call that a major brain fade in some places, but that was just foolish, wasn't it? Do you know there's something like 35 cameras around a cricket pitch at any one time? And then there's everybody who's in the cricket ground with their mobile phones and they've got cameras as well. And so just about anything that happens on that cricket ground these days is laid bare. You cannot get away from it. They couldn't get away from it. It was foolish. And they were fools. They thought they could get away with something and that they wouldn't be seen for it. Uh, that happens to all of us to a degree, doesn't it? We think we can get away with things. Uh, even in the world that we live in where Facebook uh, and there's Facebook, there's Instagram, there's Snapchat. It looks like our whole lives are being laid bare, aren't they? That just about every aspect of our life is being seen by everyone else. But actually, not every aspect of our life is being seen by everyone else, is it? Because in Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, and even as we walk down the street, we're only revealing to people the things that we want them to know. We're not actually laying bare our whole lives. But you know that there is one camera, there is one person who sees everything that our whole lives are laid bare before. In Hebrews chapter 4 verse 13 it says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Sometimes we think we can get away with not being caught on camera. Sometimes we can think we can get away with not revealing everything on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or in the conversations with people. But we can get away with nothing in front of God because he sees everything. Everything is laid bare before him. And if everything is laid bare before him, I think all of us here today would say that we've been foolish at times. That we've been fools as well. Cameron Bancroft thought he could get away with it, didn't he? He got his bit of sandpaper and he stuck it down his trousers uh, as if we couldn't see that, but yet that was foolish too, wasn't it? And sometimes I think that we can try and hide everything from God too, the bits and pieces of our lives we can hide from him, but that's foolish too. Imagine if your whole life was put up on the big screen at the cricket. You know, those huge big screens and your whole life... Every part of your life was laid up there on the screen for you to see and for everyone else to see. Now, there'd be some good parts in that, wouldn't there? But there'd be some parts you'd want to go, can I mute that? Can I put that aside? I don't want that person to know that's what I thought about them or that's what I did when they weren't around. There's some stuff that I've done. There's some people that I've done. There's some actions that I've done. I've looked really foolish. And that would be the case, wouldn't it? So even though we look at the cricketers and we can say, well, that was pretty foolish, we can look at ourselves, can't we, and say that we're actually pretty foolish too. When it comes to having our lives laid out before God, none of us can stand there squeaky clean. We've all been tainted by it some way, haven't we? Now, the phenomenal news is that 
Easter Friday, Good Friday, is all about our foolishness. You see, Good Friday is about how God steps into that and changes it. But even back then, uh, some people used to think that that was pretty foolish too. Today, lots of people will see, you'll see it on television, you'll see it at different times, that people mock Christians, don't they? They mock Jesus, they mock the cross. They say, that is foolish, that is stupid, why would you believe in that? Why would you get involved with that? They mock the, the, the whole concept of it. And you know, that's nothing new, guys. That's what they did back in Jesus' day. They mocked him too. They said that he was a fool. Uh, if that passage that we read is just full of it, isn't it? Right at the beginning, the Praetorian guards look there and it says, and they mocked him. That's they insulted him. They told him he was an idiot. He was a fool. They did it twice. And after they'd mocked him, then they took off the robe. They did all sorts of things. They mocked him. They annoyed him. They were the, the soldiers were mocking him. And not only the soldiers were mocking, but the people who passed by mocked him. The crowds yelled insults at him and told him, you're an idiot. You, you said you could do all this, but you're not doing it. They had a go at him. And then in the same way the chief priests, these were the religious leaders of the day, were having a go at him as well. They were mocking Jesus and saying, this is stupid, this is foolish. Why are you doing this? And then the guys beside Jesus on the cross mocked him as well. Do you notice that through the passage? All the way through, people were saying, you fool. And then to add insult to injury, they stick up on the top of his head a sign that says, Jesus, the King of the Jews. Now that wasn't saying this is a good thing. They were pointing fun at him and saying, you're an idiot. It was almost like having a big flashing neon sign above him that said, you fool, Jesus. They saw him and they mocked him and they had a go at him. They said, this is stupid, this is, it. This is the worst thing. What's going on? How do you see Jesus? As a fool? To be mocked? or something else how do you see the cross and Jesus nailed onto it as a foolish act or something else well if Jesus had died today uh, it would have been all over uh, Facebook it would have been all over social media uh, so what we're going to do now is we're actually going to watch just a little bit of a, a clip uh, that would put that together if Jesus is there but notice also, that there's a movement in this clip from mocking to something else.
the movement and the change from being something that was foolish to maybe that this is actually the power of God. The torn curtain, darkness, the confession of Jesus on the cross and the people who see that start to change their mind. They start to see that this guy Jesus actually was something more than what they thought, that maybe this guy is the son of God, that maybe what seemed to be foolish is actually God's loving act to redeem people and bring people back to himself, that maybe what seemed to be foolish is actually God reaching out to us in love in sending his one and only son to come and live and die on that cross to take all the punishment for all the stuff that we've done wrong, that the cross actually becomes our eraser, the cross actually becomes our rubber, the cross actually becomes our delete button that deals with all that we've done wrong in our life, all that would have been on that screen of all our foolishness, all our mistakes are laid on him so that we can be set free to be with him forever. Jesus at the end of the cross, when he's hanging on the cross, he says, it is finished. He says, all that is done for you to come into the presence of God forever has been completed here and now. You see, we can't be in the presence of God with our foolishness because God is holy and pure and pureness and inholiness and impurity cannot be together and so we can't get there ourselves. There's no way we can stand and be in the presence of God by ourselves. We have to have our impurity removed and taken out and erased and that's what happens on the cross. Jesus stands in for us. Jesus takes the punishment for our foolishness, for our wrong, for our mistakes, for our impurity, so that we can stand before him clean and pure forever, so that this life has purpose and meaning and that eternity is ours with him in perfection. Jesus stands in and takes the brunt of death for you and I. I read a story many years ago about a young minister who uh, was driving home with his uh, four or five-year-old daughter in the back and they'd just been and buried his wife and her mum. She died tragically. It was horrible. As they were driving home from the funeral, the little girl in the back said to her dad, said, Dad, if Jesus died for us, then why did mum have to die? Great question, isn't it? 
You'd feel the pain and the angst of the little girl in the back as she was thinking this through. And the father thought, man, I'm a minister, but how do I answer this from a five-year-old daughter? I'm in pain. How do I answer this? Well, as he was driving along and as he was contemplating that, he saw something that could possibly pick a picture for his daughter. And he said to his daughter, you see that truck coming towards us? And she said, yes. And she said, he said, do you see the shadow coming along with that truck? And she said, yes. And he said, what would you rather get hit by, the truck or the shadow? And the little girl said, the shadow. And the dad said, well, what Jesus has done is taken on the truck of death for you so that we only have to have the shadow. Because when the shadow passes, we're into the light with Jesus for eternity. That is just beautiful, isn't it? That is what God has done for us on the cross. That is what the cross is so important. That's why it's Good Friday. So maybe it's not so foolish. Maybe actually this event is the power of God for our salvation. Maybe this is where it all hangs for you and I. Maybe this is the place where you need to come to today. Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you need to come back and just sit in it and understand it. Maybe this is the first time you've heard it. Maybe you want to make a decision to follow this and do this. Uh, we gave out to you as you came in a little form with a connect card and a little piece, uh, a little card as well about Jesus and you. Uh, if you want to find out more about what Jesus has done for you, then fill in that card and give it to me. Or if you don't want to do that, take the little one, Jesus and you, go home and watch those three clips. But whatever you do today, don't go away from here without seriously contemplating that on the cross, Jesus took all your foolishness and the punishment for that so that you can be with him now and for eternity. Uh, a good mate of mine put up a post this week on Facebook. Uh, his daughter, Sally, loves cricket and loves Steve Smith. Uh, she was his idol. I know there's a little girl here called Polly who had Steve on her cake just recently. Maybe the have to take him off from now on. Uh, but uh, it was there, wasn't it? Uh, just a phenomenal thing. And this is what she wrote. And I thought, this is phenomenal that this girl wrote this. Uh, she said this, It's heartbreaking to have this brutal reminder that we are all sinners, especially from a cricketer I've admired for so many years. Very different from Jesus, who rather than do anything to win for himself, instead did everything to love for us. Safe to say I'll probably be changing my lock screen and there might be a bit more space on my wall available and I'll be thankful that Jesus is the real leader in my life, a leader who will never let me down. So true, isn't it? I pray for you this morning that this will be for you too. Uh, one of the things that if you're watching TV last night as you saw the interviews with Cameron Bancroft and Steve Smith and even David Warner to a degree, but not so much yet. But they were seeking forgiveness. They were seeking redemption. They were repentant. They were sorry. They were placing it out there, weren't they? And they were asking for forgiveness from the public and from everyone around them. Now, I don't know what the public does, but I know that when we come like that to God, when we come like that to Jesus, then forgiveness is complete. Forgiveness is yours. He welcomes you into his family forever. 
He gives you a life of purpose now. He gives you a life of meaning now. He gives you an eternity with him in perfection forever. That's what the cross is. That's what Jesus has done for us. I pray that you may be like Sally and say that Jesus is the leader of your life because he's the only leader that can take you through death and into life because he's the only one that's dealt with our biggest problem, our folly and our sin, and he makes us right with God forever. I pray that will be yours today and forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so much that we can take time today to think through uh, what Jesus did on the cross for us, the power of you, Lord, uh, for our salvation. Lord, it wasn't a foolish act, it was a loving act. It wasn't by a fool but by a perfect human being, a perfect person. He is you, Lord, who came in the flesh for us. And Lord, out of his act on the cross, Lord, of dying for us to erase, to rub out, to delete our sin, our foolishness, Lord, we now can be in your presence now and for eternity. I want to thank you and praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.